Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Change is constant, and nowhere is this more true than with your company's network and network security. With an SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you get the best of both worlds. A scalable network to quickly connect remote offices and the protection from downtime that ensures your network is always on. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 866-541-5000. Blackfoot, connect to more. From the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Why are you raising your eyebrows at me? I just have a great thought on Class A football. If you missed anything in the first hour, check it out on the podcast, the Tutel and Nuanez podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts, anywhere, all the time. Podcasts are available thanks to Blackfoot Communications. You can also call if you would like, 361-3688, or text that number as well, 361-3688. All guests join us via the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. And if you'd like to listen live and you're not by your radio or your television, well, get yourself into the stream, 1029ESPN.com. You go there to the website. You click on the Listen Live tab. The stream is available thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Also, grizzgreats.com. Go check out the Grizz Greats podcast series, a new forthcoming episode shortly. Coulter, uh, yes, tell me, tell me. I, I would, I'm on the edge of my seat here, Class A. Well, we're about to be joined by Bryce Carver. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, uh, a rising star in the Montana coaching business. I think we could say he's already risen. I mean, he's got Hamilton straight flat rolling right now. Lost four games in four years. The guy's not yet even thirty, and uh, he's got uh, Hamilton as uh, to replace his alma mater of Dylan as the power in the Southwestern mm-hmm. A. That's amazing because Dylan, you might as well have just called it Dylan's conference for the twenty years. And yep. uh, Bryce Carver was a part of that when he was a player at Dylan before coming to play for the Montana Grizzlies. But uh, when you look at the landscape of Class A, and for those that 
uh, didn't get the memo. Class A right now is an 18-team classification where previously 12 teams made the playoffs, and some folks thought that was diluted. Some folks thought that was accurate, that was apt. This year, only eight teams are going to make it, four from the West, four from the East. The power in Class A has resided in the East with the exception of Dillon for quite some time. Hamilton being back has really given a boost, but that's been offset by the reemergence of Laurel. And Laurel is one of the most uh, one of the fastest growing communities in the state of Montana. I mean, it's it's quickly becoming just a suburb of Billings, and Billings is quickly becoming a real actual metropolis. Metropolis. I mean, it, it, a metropolitan area. That's what it really is. I mean. If you combine the Laurel Billings area, you're talking more than 200,000 people. That's amazing in itself. But when you look at the the um, the towns that are the Class A towns in the West, mm-hmm. you have a bunch of towns that are around some of the bigger cities in Montana. And that has an influence on the way that kids grow up playing youth sports, the AAU they play. Like kids from Columbia Falls, Whitefish, Polson, they're all playing Kalispell kids all the time. You have a little community of sports where everybody's playing everybody. Yeah. So you're getting a little bit more of an exposed view to everything. And oftentimes that comes with uh, more trendy coaching. Not, I'm not going to say better, but more trendy coaching. Uh, the individual coaches maybe that rise up. And I'm not sure that this is a direct correlation, but you see right now in the Western AA, Dylan's still, you know, doing Dylan Western thing, A or Western A, excuse me. Yeah, Dylan's still doing a lot of the same stuff they've always done. You know, put the ball in the quarterback's hands, let him be athletic. You know, run the ball, play defense, all that sort of stuff. Frenchtown, by and large, kind of doing that as well. But then you see teams like Hamilton, Columbia Falls, Polson, Whitefish—they're all spreading it out. They're throwing the ball all over the place. Well, what's been Hamilton's demise in the playoffs? I mean, they've run through the regular season undefeated up front. Up front, they can't stop the ball. They mm-hmm. they got run roughshod over by Laurel. Last year, you know, Dylan, excuse me, not Dylan, Billing Central has been a problem. Billing Central, I know, is actually in that huge metropolitan area, but they've always been what, by and large, you'd call an option team. They've always really favored almost exclusively running the ball. And that's been the the big thorn in the side for not only Hamilton, but most of the teams in the West. And I also think the dynamic of that you talk about all these towns in Class A on the west side around some cities, you have standalone independent towns, which are some of the bigger standalone independent towns in the state on the east side. When you talk about towns like Haver or towns like Livingston, towns like Hardin, Miles City, Sydney, these towns are not by other cities. They're just 8,000-person towns mm-hmm. in their own little area. That also caters to a completely different mentality, and that's why I think the dichotomy between the West and the East in A is so interesting because you have kind of the the flossy, athletic, speed-based teams in the West and then the blue-collar, working-class, shove-it-down-your-throat type teams like Miles City, who won the state yeah. championship a year ago on the East side. That brings us to our point now with Bryce Carver, though. Hamilton... Although they still can light people up. I mean, they scored, I think, 116 points their first two weeks of the season. They seem like they're more of a balanced team in terms of their ability to run the ball, and that was on full display in their 37-14 win over Dillon last week. I think 55 carries, 310 rushing yards. It's not necessarily just the Carson Rostad show at Hamilton anymore. They can move you around in the trenches as well, and we'll see if that, that prioritization and emergence of that strength helps Hamilton when they get to the playoffs and beyond talking about playing those Eastern teams. Um, I I don't, I forget who said this and, and I'd have to look it up. It is recently, and I believe it was a baseball player, but uh, said, you know, sports is the reward for a well-functioning society. 
And wow. I think that that is, I think there's a lot to that concept or that, that comment and a lot to think about there. The reason I bring it up here is because at a micro level, um, that is also true. I mean, sports, it's easy to think about. We talk about sports and, you know, who are the, what are the best football teams in Western Washington? And it's Bellevue and it's Skyview and it's all these places that are very affluent, have tremendous, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. resources and so forth. Well, that's all well and good. And some of that is certainly, you know, part of it when you talk about coaches, equipment and things along those lines. But also there's a certain level of, if, if a place is thriving, is doing well, there is more ability to be uh, flippant in the best way. You're more ability to sort of pour resources into just recreation and things like sports and, and doing that. Uh, some of the towns uh, across rural, you know, America and certainly in the state of Montana have I think been thriving even though to some extent, but even, but have certainly been shrinking in terms of numbers for a variety of reasons. Some of the egg communities and, and, and things along those lines, but also there's some small communities, relatively small communities that really have been thriving and have been growing and have been uh, doing very well. And Hamilton to me is one of those towns. I mean, Hamilton, the Bitterroot Valley in general has so much to offer at a variety of different levels to a whole bunch of different people. And, uh, and Hamilton's such a great town, a great place to be. And, and I think that the the high school is certainly maybe not the but an epicenter of of what is going on in a community like that. And when it seems to me when towns are able and willing to rally around the sports that are happening, the school, whatever it is, what even you know, if you're talking about 4-H, if you're talking about the fair, if you're talking about any of these sort of recreational things, it adds an element of excitement, it adds an element of of fun to it. And usually those are done really well. Go to a community that is pumped up about its rodeo and you're going to have a great time at the rodeo. You know, it's just the way it is. And if, you know, if, if, if the high school sports or something like that are true about Hamilton High School, which it seems to be right now, and they got the new field and, and Bryce Carver's got it rolling. So uh, speaking of, let's hear from Bryce Carver. He's in practice right now. So this is from earlier today, the Hamilton High School head football coach. Happy to welcome in for our Opportunity Bank Coaches Corner, the head coach of the Hamilton Bronx football team, Bryce Carver. Coach Carver, thanks so much for being with us, and phenomenal week for you, a 37-14 win over Dillon. Dillon, uh, obviously always a very good team. They were undefeated coming down to Hamilton uh, this past Friday. What went well for you on Friday in that 37-14 win? Yeah, you know, obviously a really good team and a, a, a program I have a lot of respect for and, and that has, has a lot of respect across the state just for what they've done. And, um, you know, a lot went good for us. Obviously, we were uh, we were able to run the ball really well. Um, you know, we ran the ball 55 times for almost 310 rushing yards, which uh, for me is a little uncharacteristic in, in my style, but... Um, you know, we had to do what we had to do to win, and the kids did an awesome job of, of kind of following the game plan and, and being physical, and, and uh, you know, we were able to able to establish a run and do a good job with it. Talk about that aspect a little bit more, though. You guys have had some of the great skill players in all of Class A and in the entire state period the last several years, led by Carson Rostad, but an entire group of guys that are really explosive and talented. But it seems as if you guys have a, an ability to run the ball at an even higher level. Now, how much of that has to do with the offensive line, and what's been the key factors to helping you guys improve in the trenches like you have? 
Yeah, you know, I think it's uh, uh, a big part that has to do with our offensive line. we got a lot of guys that have, uh, you know, two of them were starters as sophomores who played in the state title game, uh, you know, over Spilling Central, and then have continued on to now. Two of them started last year um, that, uh, you know, on a team that we lost in the semifinals. Um, and, and then we have a freshman coming in that's starting for us right now who's the little brother of our left tackle. And, um, you know, so we got a lot of – we got four guys who have played a lot of football uh, for us over the last four years. And, um, you know, they've done a really good job and they're very, very, uh, experienced and skilled and, um, we're able to run the ball. And I think a big part of it is, is they, they did a lot of work in the weight room this off season, um, and really kind of wanted to get back to, uh, being, being a powerful football team. We, you know, I feel like last year in the semis, we got out physical by Miles city. And then that's kind of been our, uh, kind of been our motive to, um, you know, to get to that physicality level so we can get over that hump and, and make the state title game again or, or, you know, get over that final hump and win one. But uh, we do have, still have some great skill guys outside, and they're doing a great job of understanding that when, um, you know, we're, we're having success around the ball, they're, they're doing good out there blocking and stuff, and, and we're going to face some teams where we need to whip the ball around again. So uh, we'll, we'll get back to that, and, and they're just kind of – everyone's kind of ready for our uh, little two-headed monster we got going at all on offense right now. Bryce Carver joining us, the head coach of the Hamilton Bronx High School football team. They are 4-0. They're playing at Frenchtown this week, a game we'll get into. But I wanted to talk to you more about just the personnel and especially the community of Hamilton and some of the smaller communities across the state, the high school level. It, it is a family affair, right? And you get, you know, sons and daughters maybe of, of you know, parents who had played before, depending on the sport, and certainly the sibling deal. And that's also true at the quarterback spot, right? You have Carson Rostad, great, great player for Hamilton, one of the best of all time. He's at the, with the Grizz. Now Tyson, his younger brother, is a junior. He's playing quarterback for you. What's it like, that dynamic, to have him? who got, He's got to come in right with some confidence, having seen his brother already do all the things that, that, that he did on his way through. Yeah, you know, I mean, Tyson was an All-State wideout for us last year and, and DB and as a sophomore, and, and we kind of had this planned out, you know, when Carson was going to leave, that uh, Tyson was going to step in and fill this role, and he's done it just uh, amazingly. You know, he's a great leader, and um, he's, he's very athletic and very skilled at kind of what we do, and, um, you know, I, I keep t- I've told him since day one I'll never compare him to Carson, and, and I don't think that's fair to, to compare the two because I think they both are, um, you know, they both have different skill sets and are, and are good at different things and Tyson's a great job just being that kind of leader guy he's coming he's managed the games really well um and and running the ball he's you know he kind of runs the ball uh the way we need him to at the quarterback level and uh for him he's obviously had one of the one of the best mentors he could have growing up in Carson and was able to watch him and and learn from him and um I I think he still wants to compete and, and be just as good as Carson and and take our team to the next level as I mentioned this week, you're headed to Frenchtown, and I think a lot of people thought, well, you know, when when a guy like Jace Klusiewicz, you know, leaves the school for a senior year, now playing at Sentinel, what's Frenchtown going to be? Well, the answer is very good, right? I mean, they're three and one, and you know, they've got a lot of great skill position players. They're really tall and long, athletic at the wide receiver spots. When you look at this game and this matchup with Frenchtown, what do you think? Yeah, it's just another game that, you know, when I was doing uh, interviews kind of at the beginning of the year, I keep telling people this Western A is just going to be a grind um, over here. You know, we got 12 teams over here, and I truly feel like there's eight eight 
teams that could make that four four playoffs type of spot. So, uh, you know, you can't afford to drop a game. You can't afford to to kind of lax up on a week because we had a great game last Friday and now we got another great team who who has got great pedigree too and is well coached and like you said they got a lot of good athletes between um, you know their middle linebacker running back tight end kid and, and Tal Arthur uh, you know their their DN nose guard and old lineman at Duncan Richardson uh, free safety and wide out the Brandon Finley kid uh, another safe or uh, wide out uh, corner in, in the Shelton kid so I mean you just look at these kids who are who are kids that not only I've I've coached against in football and but in basketball since they were freshmen and sophomores. So, you know, we talk about experience, um, you know, with some of our kids, but they obviously have a ton of experience on their side because these kids have played a lot of football and, um, you know, they made the playoffs the last uh, so many years and so so they they are experienced. They're well coached and uh, long, athletic, lanky team. You guys will have now already played your entire conference, uh, the entire Southwestern A. You've already you will have already played them as of Friday, and then transition into playing some of those teams from the Northwestern A. But is that strange having already knocked out your conference schedule? It seems like we just started. Yeah, you know, especially for us when you know we we didn't get to play our first game against Butte Central, and um, you know we played we played Corvallis on a Thursday night or on a Friday, then we played Steve I on a Thursday. And then we were stuck inside all week last week because of smoke. We never even got to step outside until uh, Friday for games. So pretty soon, all you know, we're almost we're in October next week and in the already transitioning into um, you know into North games. And so for a season that we didn't think you know we were going to have, we're almost already halfway through, and it's just it's just crazy to think about. And um, we just talk to our kids all the time about you know don't waste an opportunity to play because. Uh, pretty soon we're going to be done or we might not even get to finish the season because 2020 right now is so unknown with everything. So, uh, yeah, it, it is wild that, you know, we're going to be five games in and halfway through a season already. Last question from me. You mentioned the fact that they adjusted the Class A playoff model, not 12 teams, just eight teams, just four from the West. And I agree with you when you look at what's in the Southwestern day with the fact that you got yourselves, Dylan, Frenchtown, and then you look up north and Columbia Falls, Whitefish, Libby, Polson, they all look competitive. Does that change your mindset as a team, knowing that it is going to take your absolute best effort to get one of those top four spots? Um, I don't know if it changes our mindset, but it kind of – you know, maybe as a coach changes, changes what you think about a little bit, you know, you gotta, you gotta really focus on, um, you know, you gotta really focus on what you're doing every weekend. You can't, you can't afford to drop a game or have a, have a bad game because it could just come back to bite you. And, um, like you said, I think, I think Columbia Falls is three and one. I think Polson's three and one. I think Libby's three and one. I think Whitefish is two and two. Dylan's three and one. Frenchtown's three and one, and we're in four and all. So, I mean, there's only about four or five losses between the eight teams right now, and, and we still have to transition over with each other. But um, I think it's going to be a grind to to you know fight your way into those playoffs. And um, you know, I think also when you if you look down the road, people are. Uh, looking for seating spots for home field advantage. And then, you know, with the Billing Central, the Mile City, and the Laurels over there, there's three really good teams as well. So uh, not only, you know, are, are you looking at, at being able to host games, you're looking at opponents and who you think you match up kind of good with. And um, you really kind of want to come out on top of this, this Western A over here. 
Bryce Carver, head coach of the Hamilton Bronx football team. And coach, last one for you, but when I think a lot of people look at, at Hamilton and what you've done there since you've been there and the program that you've really built, but also you have this kind of first generation of guys, again, sort of, uh, you know, sort of punctuated by Carson Rostad. And the thought was, well, maybe when this group graduates, there might be a little bit of a drop off. But you guys are 4-0, again, one of the top teams in the state here halfway through the season. How proud are you on one hand, but also what did it take to, to create what is a program down the Bitterroot that is going to be consistently good year in and year out yeah you know i think uh we've lost four games in the last four years and um you know two of them were state titles and uh uh one of them was a semi-final game so uh we, we've just done a good job as a staff and, and as a program of just going to work in the off season um, putting in the effort and the time, and then and then when it comes to the season, just really focusing on each game and, and trying to do our best. And 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 you know, you, really, when it comes down to it, you're only good as your kids are. And um, we've been fortunate to have some really good athletes that want to be successful and have, and have put in that time and that work in the weight room in the off season. Um, and then when you look at Carson and some of these guys, Tucker Jones, the guys we've had in the past, they've just been great leaders. Um, you know, whether they're, they're playing with seniors or they're playing with some of these freshmen in practice or in our drills, uh, just the way they led and treated these kids like a family and, and gave, you know, taught them how to do things. So now that these kids are coming up, um, you know, they've been in this position and, and, and they know how, um, things are expected, um, within our program and, and they've continued to follow that. And so, you know, you, we, we always ask our, our older guys to be leaders and, um, you know, as you go back, it all starts with some of those, those guys of our past who were great leaders to these guys. And now it's their turn to be great leaders to our, our younger group. And, you know, hopefully we can just keep this ball rolling a little bit. Bryce, appreciate the time. Best of luck Friday uh, against Frenchtown. Another really great matchup in uh, in the Class A, which is an outstanding classification this year once again. Appreciate the time. Yeah, thank you guys. Always a pleasure to talk to you. There you go. Appreciate you. Bryce Carver, head coach of the Hamilton Bronx. Uh, looking forward to uh, their, their run throughout the course of this season. Let's take a quick break. On the other side, get back into the FCS playoff, what it can look like and what that will mean for teams that don't win their league and the added emphasis now, obviously, of winning your league in the spring. We'll get to that right after this. Hey, we live in a great state. We live there so we can enjoy it, right, in Montana? If you're a business owner, you know how hard you work, and sometimes it's at the expense of your own free time. Well, that is where Black Bookkeeping and Consulting Services comes in. Black Bookkeeping and Consulting Services is a virtual bookkeeper that helps small businesses organize, maintain, and grow their businesses, which helps keep your business running running smoothly and gives you more time to do what you love. Black Bookkeeping and Consulting Services offers monthly bookkeeping and will even clean up previous month's books. How about that? Visit blackbookkeepingllc.com. That's blackbookkeepingllc.com to schedule a free consultation today. For unquestionably committed coverage of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics from a homegrown local source, you can count on Skyline Sports. The grassroots news-gathering organization is owned and operated by Coulter and Brooks Nuanas, a pair of Missoula natives and University of Montana graduates. For the best sports journalism in the state, you can choose to buy local when you choose to buy Skyline Sports. For $8 a month or $90 a year, you can get the best coverage available at SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports, every day, every season. 
the dynamics of spring football continue to have wrinkles added to them, such as the case today. It's Tutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Great to be with you across the state of Montana. Hope you are well. Thanks for checking out my nice new shirt that I received, courtesy of my good friend Coulter. Go Timberjacks. Missoula Timberjacks. I love the Timberjacks. Who stuff, was dude. the original and only manager of the Missoula Timberjacks? You know, I'm glad you asked me. I'm not going to come up with the name, but I know that this is a, a it's a major, major figure in the baseball world. Tell me. Yes, Jack McKeon. He mm, that's uh, right. went on to, I believe, win at least one yes. World Series championship. Yes. Oh, at least one. Two-time National yeah. Manager of the Year, and he was a World Series champion in 2003 okay. with the Florida Marlins. Yeah. Uh, but he was manager for the Royals, the Athletics, the Padres, the Reds, and the Marlins. And the best uniform he ever wore was the Missoula Timberjacks. Well, those might be the best down. uniforms, period. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Plus, it get... gives me Go ahead. an excuse to wear my Packers hat because it's green. That's right. Go ahead. Before we get into the more analysis of the spring football... This is breaking news, and I actually think that uh, if you wonder why student journalism is important, it's because the proximity campuses are communities. Mm. When you're a part of a community, you'll find out things that people that aren't part of your community could and will never know. There's certain. I mean, I, I could. I think I have a ton of sources around the Big Sky Conference, around the state of Montana. There's certain things that happen on campus with athletes and not that I would never possibly know. The only people that could possibly know them are fellow students. The University of Montana has been, by and large, mum on the reporting of specifically and broadly coronavirus statistics, COVID nineteen statistics. Mm-hmm. Part of that's just because of the state privacy laws and, and things like that, but. The Kaiman newspaper, yep. led by Jack Marshall, who I know is a guy who's talked to both of us at various basketball games, and a uh, kid who's just cutting his teeth in the drills in school. I love that kids are still doing that, working for the student newspaper. They've been covering, though, coronavirus on campus, just in general forms. What's going on in the dorms? You know, the university says this is the policy. Well, that's not just the policy. This is what I'm talking about student journalism. They can actually go to the dorms and not seem like some weird intruder. Listen, man, I got kids, so I am aware of the threat that student journalism poses to the institutions and it shouldn't be a threat but it is because i know my kids have said stuff and i'm like oh no no that wasn't for them to know you didn't want to say that did you did you my five-year-old daughter my three-year-old son did you want did you want to say that to them okay yeah. sorry it, it's amazing yeah it's amazing but then you're like well it's the truth so it's what it is breaking news uh, today uh, the UM cross-country team, all yes. 28 members under quarantine right now. Mm. There's no real uh, justification in terms of the specifics of why. Or explanation, maybe. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Uh, th- from in a September 16th interview, so that's last week, just about six days ago, not quite a week ago, uh, J.C. White, who's the head athletic trainer at the University of Montana, said that UM athletes had, had single-digit positive cases throughout this entire pandemic. He said, we have a lot of different athletes in different levels of quarantine. We have a few that are positive and most sports are practicing and working out. But then you see 28 cross country kids quarantined. I also have on good authority. There's been some spread amongst the football team and there's some quarantine members of the football team, both players and coaches, as well as, um, 
everybody else is at, being asked to be very cautious in this moment. So I just think it's worth noting. I don't think it's worth hammering on. I don't think it's sure. worth even talking about this is good, bad, or the other. The reality of the situation is it was anticipated that when students returned to campus mm-hmm. that there would be a little bit of pocket outbreaks. And I think it makes complete and utter sense that probably the groups that were quarantined and quarantining the most early during this pandemic situation, then they're going to be the ones that are, I mean, so I know so many kids are in school right now that are just going online. So they're not putting themselves at risk whatsoever. Yeah, You have to go to the champion center to lift weights. Right. So the student athletes, in fact, are probably going to be exposed to each other. So then that's the issue here, though, is when you have a little bit, then you have a lot when it comes to everybody being in a Well, and again, this isn't, this isn't the cross-country team has COVID-19 no. or something like that. It, it's a lot of it is if somebody has it, there's contact tracing, there's preventative right. measures that are put in place, and then these are the, the realities of it. So A couple often, kids could have been at a house right. that had it, and none of, like you said, all 28 members, all of them might be negative sure, sure, at this right. moment, but you just never know. Uh, until it all matriculates. But I think it's um, worth noting the whole point of it, though, is good job by the Kaiman for getting that story and reporting that story. It's an important story. Yep. The thing, I, I've been ranting and raving about the media a lot lately, man, but you just it, there is no axe to grind here. The Kaiman's not saying that UM's doing a bad job or anything like that. You just got to know this kind of stuff. That's and right. I think, the inf- that, I think it's transparency important. is important, and transparency can be gotten in a number of ways, and that is why journalism and media is a constitutional reality in this country and is important just in general, no doubt. Uh, By the way, along those lines as well, uh, Notre Dame-Wake Forest football game postponed for this very same reason. I don't know the specifics of that at, at all, but Notre Dame has been playing. What are they? They're two and zero, oh, I think, now on this season. Two or three and zero, oh, and their game against Wake Forest ain't happening this weekend. Uh, you know, as part of this, and this is again. No surprise, right? Like this. I is mean, when you we... saw the the only game I've seen that I've turned on, where like, oh, this is almost normal. It was Notre Dame. There's a ton of people. There. Yeah, there was. Yeah, a ton of people at the last game a, they had in South Bend. It's a good number. I don't know what the percentage was, but it was significant. Uh, Coulter, let's go to the spring. We talked about the FCS, and again, if you weren't with us at the top of the show, uh, the the recommendation from last week about the FCS playoff. Uh, for this spring was to have it starting at the end of April, I think the 24th of April, running through the middle of May, and go from 24 teams down to 16 teams. That has been uh, ratified, but also added to. And normally, uh, there are 10 teams with automatic bids into the FCS playoffs. They're adding an 11th, the MEAC, the winner of that uh uh, conference championship uh, will, or conference regular season, maybe, however it shakes out, will be an 11th automatic bid. What does that mean? Well, do the math. There's only five, uh, you know, granted bids. What am I looking for? Non auto bids? At large bids. There you go. Uh, to the FCS playoffs. So that means several things. First of all, the strength of conferences in uh, the FCS that are top-end football conferences like the Big Sky Conferences, obviously like the Missouri Valley, that is where most of the power nationally lies. And much of that is not going to be there in the in this postseason that is as, as, as it has been presented because you're talking about only five at-large bids. It also means this, and I think this is what I'd like to ask you about. The winning your conference is basically an across-the-board goal for 
football teams and any sport, any 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 college sport. I mean, that's like sort of a, a, a pretty obvious one that you underline as something that you're trying to do. This is what we want to accomplish as a team. That said, there's certainly more teams that have that, first of all, more as a reality to, in fact, accomplish and who put more of an emphasis on it. I would say that both Montana and Montana State, when it comes to football, that is absolutely a no wavering 100%. This is what we're here to do is win the big sky. That said, normally, it is not absolutely a necessity in order to get where you actually ultimately want to go because I mean there were five big sky teams in the national tournament a year ago four of them got seeds and had a first round bye if you want to have a first round bye in the playoff it does not require that you win your division usually that you win the big sky usually this year it's not certain that it will but the the, won't be buys this year either the priority on winning your conference as a pathway to get into the postseason is as high as it's ever been, and certainly you don't want to be anything more than second, or else you are really, really cutting it close about even making it to the postseason this year. So I want to ask you just about the emphasis that you think this places now on the conference schedule. I thought Sam Herter from Hero Sports summed this situation up really well in his most recent tweet. He said, the FCS needed and needs a united effort from all involved conferences to make a spring playoff work. Hmm. The strongest bracket would be 16 at-large teams and zero auto bids. I fully agree with that. But that would be the strongest bracket, regardless if we're going through a pandemic or not. Most of the top 16 teams are in three conferences. Yeah. And by and large, and even if you throw in the Southland and maybe the SOCON. The Colonial, by the way. The CAA, yeah, the, the Colonial Athletic Association. But the uh, but he goes on to say, the strongest bracket would involve 16 at-large teams, zero auto bids, but then the one-bid leagues wouldn't have much if incentive, if any, to play in the spring. Then you run the risk of 50% or less of teams playing, and that's what this all hitches, hinges on. It's not just about the conferences. So to answer your question... What is the big sky that Montana, Montana State is going to try to be winning in the spring look like? Is it the big sky or is it a reduced version of the big sky? I'm not sure. But that's the whole thing is there's this presumption that the top teams are going to want to play. And I think that's by and large going to be true. Broadly, I don't know if the coaches are going to want to play. I don't know if the athletic department is going to want to play when it comes down to the revenue that could or could not be produced. But winning the big sky, okay. But what does the big sky look like? And also just what does the national landscape look like? Because they're dangling this carrot out there of every league that's going to play having an automatic bid, including the MEAC, which usually doesn't. But is that still going to be enough of an allure to get more than 60% of the teams in the country to play? I don't know. And I don't know when we ever will know that until it's judgment day and the thing has to start rolling. You, You can't know it. Right, you can't it's, know it's it. unknowable. Yeah. Okay. Well, it'll be. It, it's it's what it is now. You have a structure to this thing. I think the next big thing to come out would be a schedule. Do you do you think that a schedule for the conference season presumes a commitment to play it? Man. That's another question that I think we have no idea the answer to. Because here's what I truly think. 
I truly think that everybody that's involved in FCS football, particularly in the Big Sky Conference, is letting this narrative that we might play in the spring fester and brew and get momentum simply because they don't want everybody on their team to hit the end of the fall semester and be like, I'm out. Yeah. And I think as the moment it changes to the new semester and now you can't transfer to the summer, the entire narrative in terms of mm. the people that are going to be playing the games is going to change. Yeah. But Bobby Hawk and Jeff Toad are not really saying anything about this right now. When it's January 15th and there's a proposed February 15th start date for what amounts to fall camp in February, it's not going to be so quiet, I don't think. It's Tutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Game three. The Western Conference Finals coming up. The Raiders, winners in their first home game at Las Vegas. But before that, if I was a high school kid and I could go anywhere I wanted to play football in the United States, I would very, very, very seriously consider Jackson State. I'll tell you why next. Change is constant. And nowhere is this more true than with your company's network and network security. With an SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you get the best of both worlds. A scalable network to quickly connect remote offices and the protection from downtime that ensures your network is always on. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 866-541-5000. Blackfoot. Connect to more. Over North Dakota State. Hello, Jackson State. That's what I'm saying. It's Tutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Great to be with you on a Tuesday afternoon. It is Tuesday, right? That's when we have Game 3 of the uh, Western Conference Finals. By the way, if you missed Game 2 of the NHL Stanley Cup Final, you are doing yourself a disservice. Phenomenal game between stars and lightning last night. The lightning did win it, by the way, as you heard here first on Two Tell Nuanas yesterday. Series now locked up at a game apiece. If you missed anything in the show, check it out on the podcast, the Two Tell Nuanas podcast, available wherever you get your podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. Two Tell Nuanas podcast, available thanks to Blackfoot Communications. Uh, Coulter, Jackson. It, yeah, no, no, 60 seconds or less. Tell me everything I need to know about the Stanley Cup playoffs. Okay. Give me the bullet points. The, uh, the Dallas Stars have not been favored in a single series this entire postseason. They've won them all. That might exclude the I, first series. I believe that they, they were, were eight hundred to one to win the Stanley Cup when this playoffs well, not, began. Not eight hundred. Eight eighty to one. Excuse me. Plus eight thousand. Plus eight thousand. Okay, that that I could get to. Um, yeah, they were not expected to be here, and they just keep winning. They escaped Colorado. I think Colorado had a great Colorado. The Colorado Avalanche were ahead three nothing and lost 7-3 in one particular game against the Dallas Stars. The Tampa Bay Lightning are the most talented team in the NHL. Point blank, period. And they have been. Hands down. 
The only this a redemption tour, given their first round. This is a complete year. redemption tour, and I was thinking about this last night. Their loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets when they got swept out of the Stanley Cup playoffs a year ago after being the President's Cup Trophy winner's best record and most points in the regular season was absolutely startling and could have been completely disheveling. And I thought after they lost game one to Dallas, are we seeing that again? But then I thought, you know what? This team has already shown a ton of moxie just to get back here, just to end up in the Stanley Cup final again. It's 1-1. I expect Tampa Bay to win this in six or seven, but the Dallas Stars, you never sleep on the on the kids who aren't supposed to be there that are quote unquote playing with house money. That said, it is a glorious thing, man. Just the, the effort, the physicality, the intensity of Stanley cup playoff, and especially the final series. Remarkable. I got, I got Tampa Bay and I can't wait for game three tomorrow night. For more analysis on the Stanley cup playoffs, tune into to tell throughout the rest of this week. That's right. Maybe your sixty-second hockey update. You just you just got to watch it. I mean, there's nothing nothing I can do for anybody here. You just got to sit down and take it in yourself and commit to it. Like, give yourself, let it happen, let it roll over you, and you will be into it. <laughs> um, all right, Dion Sanders, prime time, the new head coach at Jackson State. Now that is enough to get me to Jackson State. Okay, that's enough right there. Now, this report, which has, by the way, been denied directly by Deion Sanders, so I am not saying that this is happening. I am simply saying that there is a report circulating. All oh, the rumors. We're up here in Montana. This is fun. Talk about rumors. Warren Sapp and Terrell Owens on the staff with Dion at Jackson State? I mean, come on. Give me that. I'm into this all day. Now, I don't actually think that that's happening. Dion has absolutely denied that it's happening i certainly don't think that you can take on particularly those two guys onto your staff in your first shot out the gates as a head coach of a football team but i mean come on at jackson state and you're sitting there with three hall of famers on the sideline over there running the show i'm into it Anyway, I can't wait to see what Deion Sanders does as a head coach and what Jackson State becomes. Of course, I kid a little bit about the move over NDSU bit. First of all, I don't think you take that job over Deion Sanders unless you can do whatever the hell you want. Second of all, this has been a deny till you die situation since For, this wait, rumor. What, what job could he have where that wouldn't be the case? He's Deion Sanders. If he just takes over as the just the GM of McDonald's, he's just going to do whatever he wants. He's just going to run it the way he wants to. What's what's the best way to to? Here's what I'm going to say. Deion Sanders is not going to be above the compliance department at Florida State. Deion Sanders is not even going to acknowledge the compliance department at Jackson State. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. I don't. I, I just don't know that I'm going to sit here and say that, man. Like, I think that he, I mean, he, he went, he, he understands the rules that are in place sure, at but, different places that you go. But what I am going to say is the reason he wouldn't get a job at Florida State, which evidently he tried to, is because... He would want to do exactly what he wants to do, and there are powers that be with, that would say no, which would prevent him from getting hired. But at the point that he has the job, he's doing his Dion thing, whatever that is, and I think it's going to be great. I can't wait. For sure, but I guess what I'm saying, I'm not implying that Dion Sanders is going to cheat. I'm just implying that at Jackson State, there is no person involved with the entire institution that has more money than you, that has more fame than you. There are boosters at Florida State that have more money than Dion Sanders, a lot of them. Right. Yeah, that's... 
the, the athletic director at Florida State also is as powerful as Deion Sanders, even mm-hmm. if he might not be a brand name guy. He's the athletic director at freaking Florida State. Yeah, yeah. So there's just a lot more checks and balances. I'm just so interested because Joe Cook, who reported this initially, is a good reporter, and I followed him. The Warren Sapp Terrell Owens Warren, Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's a solid reporter. The other thing is that Deion Sanders, during his hiring press conference, says, I have assembled a staff that will be announced in October that has 84 years of NFL playing experience. Mm. If you look at the complete list, I found three guys that have a cumulative something like, I think, 48 years of playing experience. Mm-hmm. Got you about halfway home. Here's the thing. If you're Jackson State, you're Deion Sanders. You got all the connections in the whole world from a football standpoint. Yeah. Why wouldn't you bring in every famous, notable person that you possibly could, regardless of the quote-unquote coaching side of this, because you could just out-recruit everybody, right? You could get everybody. And here's here's the thing. I know we don't have much time. The book Meat Market by Bruce Feldman. Yep. It chronicles a year at Old Miss when Ed Orgeron was the head coach mm-hmm. and what it's like recruiting in the South. One of the tidbits that emerges in that book is that I think, by and large, most of our listeners would know Mississippi is the most disenfranchised and most highly uh, poverty stricken state in the United States of America by far. Yeah. The government subsidies that exist in the state of Mississippi for taxpayers. For kid, for when you have a family and you have dependents that are declared as quote unquote special needs, are also higher than anywhere else in the country because you have a flawed public school system, rural uh, environments where kids are getting raised, and an incentive for kids to be deemed special needs. All sorts of kids that are by no means special needs, they just don't have an opportunity educationally, are forced into this special needs system. Hmm. And then, therefore, some of the greatest athletes in America have, since their freshman year of high school, have no chance to go to the to go to a Division One school because they are getting filtered into a place where they're not going to graduate with what they need at their disposal. The point of what I'm getting at is there's a flaw in the system in Mississippi, but it's also one of the five states in the country with the richest football talent. If you have different academic standards than the state institutions that are Ole Miss and Mississippi State, now all of a sudden you can get straight up five-star caliber guys who never got a five-star rating because they've been in this flawed portion of the system, and that's what I think Jackson State's going to try to do. Clean up on the dudes in your backyard. Tell them this is going to be their opportunity to go to the NFL and mm-hmm. beyond. Mm-hmm. And I think they could get it rolling in a big way as long as they stay between the ditches. It's a scary hire for the rest of the FCS. No doubt. Deion Sanders, man. Some gravitas right there, Jackson State. Boys and girls, we leave you off here, leave you in the capable hands of ESPN nationally for 30 minutes, and then off to the bubble we go. 6.30, we'll send you down there for the pregame. 7 o'clock, the opening tip of uh, the Game 3 of the Western Conference Finals. Denver Nuggets, gotta have it. Gotta have it tonight against the Los Angeles Lakers. Coulter, 10 seconds. Who you got? Lakers. That was less than 10 seconds. Nuggets can't guard them. Point blank period. It's just a terrible matchup for the Nuggets. Lakers are a six and a half point favorite. I don't know what's going to happen in this game, but I got this. I, I think that we will know the outcome of this game before halftime. One way or It's finally starting to feel like winter around here. And if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear 
at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold, or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.